0: Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for joining today. Today we have on Steve Dayton and Steve comes to us from Florida. He's 67 years old and Steve's story is a little bit different than some of the other stories we've heard on the podcast. He was diagnosed with both cancer and type 2 diabetes at right around the same time. So he was dealing with two very difficult diagnoses simultaneously, and so he had to go through quite a bit mentally in order to get through a very difficult time. He has radically changed his diet and began intermittent fasting. He was able to get his diabetes under better control after being initially diagnosed, but then he was hit with yet another health issue, which caused his A1C to go up again. And so he's now in the process of bringing it back down. So his story has not been one that is linear in terms of getting a type two diagnosis and then making changes and then getting his A1C back under control. He's had some ups and downs. And I think it's a really important story to hear because in a lot of ways, life is not linear. and you may be able to get your diabetes under control largely and then something will happen that will cause you to have that situation reverse and he speaks a lot about his mindset in terms of changing things around getting his health back under control and he is still midway through the process his a1c is still above nine right now so he has not gotten his blood sugars back to a place where it is at a healthy level he is currently taking metformin and ozempic so he's not off medications yet so i think steve's story and his he's he was very candid about the things he's been through over this very difficult period and the things he's still going through but his mindset is one of perseverance and strength and he has a lot of enthusiasm for life and i really enjoyed hearing his story and his take on his situation. And I have no doubt in the future that he will continue to improve his health. And I am very much looking forward to you hearing his story and then following up with him at some point in the future. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to hear your story.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, of course. Before we dive in, do you want to just give everybody a quick background about yourself?
1: Okay, Um, I will turn 67 at the beginning of December. I presently live in Venice, Florida. I moved to Venice four years ago from Southern California, the Long Beach, Los Angeles area. Um, I retired from the practice of law and I was also a department chair, uh, paralegal studies at Fullerton College. Um, And Never thought I'd want to go to Florida, but I went to visit relatives before a cruise and fell in love with the area. And my cousin had a condo on the market that I stayed in. And I said, keep it off the market. I'm buying it. So that's how I ended up in Florida.
0: Wow, I love that. What a great story. And well, you know, I guess I should tell all the listeners in case they're wondering, you're your condo is okay. You had some damage to the landscaping, but your, your actual condo is okay. So that's good. I'm happy to hear that. Thanks. So if you don't mind, maybe we can jump into a little bit about your health background. I actually really like your story because, um, you know, a lot of times we have obstacles in our way. We have challenges along the way. It's not like a linear path. Like, oh, I started fasting. I got all my blood sugars under control. My weight all came off and, you know, rode off into the sunset with you you've had a couple different setbacks along the way and um, your health journey has, it's been a tough one. And I think people can learn a lot from your story. So do you wanna just
1: kind of start where you think makes sense? Sure. Um, In the end of 2019, um, I had had some activity and if I get too crude, edit it out, but um, I had had what I thought was, hemorrhoids. And I did the typical things people do to get rid of hemorrhoids. And I was out in California. We threw my father a 90th birthday party. And when I came back, I had an appointment with a gastroenterologist, assuming that he would tell me what to do about it. Well, he looked at me after he had examined me and he said, these are not hemorrhoids, I believe It's a cancerous tumor. And so he said, we're going to have to go ahead and do a colonoscopy, but I want to send you to an oncologist and I want him to do an examination. So when I went to the oncologist, which was um, pre-colonoscopy, they wanted to do a PET scan and not having had one done, um, there's a sugar liquid that you have to consume, or they inject to be able to spot certain things. Well, to do that, they took um, a finger stick to get my blood sugar ready. I never had any clue that I would be diabetic. And my uh, stick was 434. And I'm like, what in the heck does this mean? And they're like, we can't do anything until we get you to at least 200, but preferably below. So they got in touch with my primary care physician who then put me on metformin to bring it down um, and had me go on to a diabetic diet, which I researched and could not find what a diabetic diet really is. So I opted after talking with my doctor to go back to, low-carb in Atkins diet, which I had been on in the past to lose weight. And we got it down, and um, in a couple of weeks, I got down to 192. And they were able to perform the test, and uh, the scans showed that I, in fact, had uh, colorectal cancer. Um, I began chemo radiation in April of 2020. That lasted to the middle of June, 2020. And then at that time they tested my A1C and I was at 7.1 and the doctor's like, well, we'll be able to bring you below seven without issue. And so for a year, I was doing fine. I was in good health, tests showed I was cancer free. Um, And then in September of 2021, I developed a hydrocele and um, started getting swollen in the groin area. Well, it turned out that because of the chem or the radiation that I had given my stage four cancer, it had literally destroyed lymph nodes in my groin area, and so I became swollen to the point where my scrotum was almost the size of a softball, um, and I couldn't get anyone to deal with it. They kept saying, even my urologist said, oh, it's the Hydrocele, it's the Hydrocele. We'll give you some antibiotic pills, and when it comes down, we'll get rid of the Hydrocele. And I was just in a lot of pain, and finally, I went in primary care, and I couldn't see my doctor, but I saw the nurse practitioner, and she took one look at me, brought in another doctor, and I was in the hospital the next day. Um, I was in the hospital for almost six days. I had to lay flat 18 hours. Then I was given intense antibiotics to try and get down the swelling and get rid of the lymphedema. As a result of those intense antibiotics, this year, in spring of this year, we went back and started doing the A1C testing, and blood sugar was still below 200, but my A1C was at 12.6, and the doctor said, we got to get this down, and so they upped my metformin, um, put me on Ozempic in May, and um, prior to the Ozempic, I had brought it down 9.3, but the doctor wanted it definitely down below seven. So I've been on Ozempic since May of this year, um, and I'm working on getting my weight down um, and getting to a point where hopefully I can get beyond metformin and Ozempic.
0: Yeah, wow, that's quite a story. And you know what's interesting is since you had so much going on, it almost seems like diabetes was like an afterthought. Is that how you felt?
1: Yes, I did. I, I have a niece who was diagnosed as type 1 diabetes um, when she was about 12. And that was really my only experience with the exception of grandparents and that that got late <clears throat> onset of type 2 diabetes but so I never anticipated it. Cause I've always been relatively health conscious. So it was yeah. shocking.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it was. And I mean, obviously you were dealing with cancer and you had so many other things going on, but did you feel like maybe you couldn't even separate out what was, how the diabetes was making you feel versus how the cancer was making you feel. You must've just been very tired, feeling very right. off for a really long time.
1: Is that what happened? Yes, yes, I was. In fact, interestingly, when um, I first started the chemo and radiation, I had done some research um, and anticipated lethargy and tiredness and inability to actually motivate myself. And it didn't hit it didn't hit till about halfway through my treatments. So I pretended like it didn't happen. I didn't worry about it and I did more things than I should have. And so then I got, when it knocked me out, basically, I got a double dose of diabetes, um, fatigue as well as chemo and radiation.
0: Yeah. And how how was your, I mean, your mental state at that time must've been pretty, it must've been pretty tough. How did you kind of see yourself through it?
1: I had, The support of neighbors and family um, that were helping with meals and would help clean my condo and the like. I think COVID hit really hard in 2020. And so it was kind of a blessing for me because I didn't feel the need to go out because I couldn't go out. So I pretty much stayed in the house. I would drive like a couple of miles just to get out of the house and get activity. I tried to stay active doing as many little things I could for exercise And that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine battling more than one thing at a time, <laughs> having cancer and diabetes at the same time. That must've been really tough. Um, what? So you're on metformin and Ozempic still, right? Right. right. And what, what was your last a1c check
1: my last a1c was nine, three. Nine, three. okay that, uh, that was in um august and so we'll do another one in february okay and how are you
0: feeling because you wrote on facebook that you've had some pretty good steady blood sugars recently so i assume your a1c will be much better right
1: i'm hoping yeah my um for the last probably three to four weeks my endocrinologist wants me to test twice a week. I'm testing three times a week. Um, and I'm staying within 125 to 96. I haven't been able to get below 96, but he's not concerned right now with the 120 in that. I'm averaging about 115 to 118 most of the time, though this last week I've been at 110, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge improvement of- Over being, you know, two hundred plus consistently, so I'm sure you must be feeling a lot better, at least from a blood sugar perspective. I am. And so, what's going on with your with the cancer right now? Are you in remission?
1: No, I am cancer free. Um, The chemo and radiation, um, it ended up. They were concerned whether it would be um, rectal cancer or whether it be anal cancer because of the. Um, removal of the tumor, whether it have to be surgically or uh, just through chemo and radiation. And I had a sizable tumor, but it was anal cancer. And so the chemo and radiation did away with it completely. So I test once a year, though I see the oncologist more frequently in a year, but I test once a year and I'm still cancer free.
0: Oh, fantastic. So now your primary concern is to just get your diabetes under control. And so what is, what are your goals with respect to diabetes?
1: Um, main goal is hopefully to get off of metformin and ozempic. Um, and I realized it's my responsibility. I have to take charge of it. Um, after the cancer and after the diabetes, when I was in the hospital, I pretty much hit a really low point. Um, I'm one that I I can't even tell you the times I've been depressed, but this was a time. And I was just kind of that attitude of, I don't care. And so I would eat what I wanted to. I didn't exercise. I gained weight and I had gone um, up to 207, which um, is not the highest I've been. I'm 5'7", so it shows. Um, I've been a little bit higher, but... When I moved to Florida, I made a point of staying somewhat healthy, and at that point, I didn't care, and so I just ate what I wanted to and didn't exercise, and then after I saw my oncologist and he put me on the Ozempic, I said, okay, take charge of your life, only you can, and so I started the intermittent fasting after doing research, and I um, <clears throat> monitor my carbs, I only do 20 carbs a day. Um, And the Ozempic, I don't know whether it's my working out and monitoring the carbs, or whether it's Ozempic or a combination of both. But right now, um, I am at a point, I'm at 182, and I want to get down to 160, which is what my doctor and I decided for my build would be optimal. Um, and I have a lot of things I want to do. I love traveling and I have trips planned that are kind of active um, trips. For example, next summer, I've already booked going to Uganda to go check out the mountain gorillas, which I've always wanted to see. So that requires walking and exercise. So, so I want to stay healthy and I'll do what I can to stay there.
0: Yeah, that, wow, those are, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that for your trip, that's that's great. That sounds really fun. I, I hope you enjoy yourself. I'm sure you will. Um, maybe there's a couple follow-up questions I want to ask you, but first, uh, metformin and Ozempic, how are you tolerating them? I've heard a lot of people say that they don't do well on metformin It that makes them nauseous. How are you feeling with it?
1: I'm not having an issue with metformin. I really had an issue with Ozempic in the beginning. Um, it having read about it and talked with the doctors and that it pretty much blocks absorption. It's almost like you're always full. And there was a lot of um, hiccuping and belching and burping that I couldn't control. Um, And I'd eat and I'd feel like, oh my gosh, it's like if you've ever overstuffed yourself, that feeling never went away. There was nothing I could do about it. So I guess part of what they say is that's what allows you to limit um, your intake. It forced me mentally to decide that I have to monitor my portions. I have to eat smaller meals. And the intermittent fasting really helped me get to the point after a month or so of um, being able to tolerate Uh, the
0: ozempic yeah that's um i have a friend who's on ozempic and she said something very similar and she she said it definitely causes gastro issues for her but it seems like they come and go it's not like a a consistent issue for her which is how she's been able to stay on it but yeah i mean obviously the goal is to not be on drugs at all if you can avoid it Um, right so hopefully you know is that your goal eventually to be it's to be off metformin and ozempic completely
1: it's my goal, whether that will occur, I don't know, but at least it gives me the motivation to exercise and stay active and do things for right now.
0: Yeah. And I think you can if I mean I've spoken to so many people that are type two that were on, you know, all kinds of medications and through intermittent fasting and diet they've been able to eliminate their medications. Obviously if you kind of go back to your old ways then you, you can't stay off it, but if you right. kind of keep it you know real rigid and you keep control over the situation then you can you can stay off those medications hopefully indefinitely um, but maybe you can tell me a little bit more about intermittent fasting when did you find it and you you mentioned dr Jason Fung maybe we can talk a little bit about just sort of what you're what you're doing now with with, with respect to that
1: um I I had talked to a couple of other people who were losing weight And my initial interest was um, the weight loss before I realized it had the impact with um, diabetes itself. And so in talking with my friends that are in the medical field that were on intermittent fasting and being, I guess, as a former attorney, research is always an area that I um, have loved. So I did a lot of research and I did reading various articles. And then I went to YouTube and I strongly encourage people to do that, um, to find the different videos that are available. I'm one that listening to someone who has gone through it or giving you pointers has always been beneficial to me rather than just reading. So... I thought, okay, now I'm going to go on Ozempic and everything else. I'm going to stick on low carbs. Um, let's give the intermittent fasting a try. And so in the end of May of this year, basically, I I became serious about it. And I decided that um, I would set up a schedule. I'm doing the 16-8, meaning not eating for 16 hours, um, and then eating during an eight-hour block. So I don't start eating before 10.30 a.m. I won't even take a protein shake, and I have to do my fasting blood sugar, so that works well also. Um, And then I stop eating about 6.30 p.m. I will go ahead uh, during that time, if, if I'm traveling or if I'm going out for an event or something, um, I will go ahead and adjust it. So if I'm going to eat, I, I never eat later than 7.30 at night. That's the cutoff for me. Um, and often I'll finish a meal with a low-carb or a keto sweet or, you know, like enlightened ice cream or one of those so that I don't feel deprived. Um, it. It took a while to get to a point where I was comfortable. Um, And I found that if I, with Osempic, if I had my larger meal, which really isn't a large meal, but if I had my larger one midday between like three and four, then I wasn't often, often I wasn't hungry at the end of the eating period. And so I'd either have a little bit or I'd have something sweet, like I said, the ice cream, or I wouldn't eat at all. Um, and so I found over time that portion size really became critical because I wanted to get away from feeling overstuffed with Ozempic. So I started monitoring what I eat, when I ate and how much I ate. And I would complain to people, um, that, you know, I, I I feel like I'm being deprived. I feel like I'm starving. Um, and a friend of mine who fasts um, said something interesting. And he said, you know, you're going to be hungry until you get it down. It's a routine like anything else. And it's going to take you time to get there. He said, live with it as you will not die from it. And he said, and I'll never forget this. I wrote it down after he told me. I said, you have to repeat it. He said, there is a difference between starving and being deprived. Be happy you are only deprived and not one in the many people, especially children on this planet that are starving. And that really became a rule to where when I was uncomfortable with intermittent fasting or I was like, ah, oh, I have to eat something. I just let it go and repeated that or uh, read um, the note. And it really made a difference. So um, uh, Do
0: you still feel deprived now, though? I mean, because you've been no. I, in the beginning, I felt that way, too. And then, you know, after a month or so I, that I don't feel deprived at all.
1: How do you feel? It, it, I agree. I, it took me about a month, took me about a month and it becomes almost unconscious. It's like you just don't think about it. And I think part of it is. I at least, um, have been indoctrinated with commercials and big meals and everything that we have to eat and we have to eat these big meals and the like, and we, I was never really an emotional leader, but I developed habits that showed emotional eating. And so once I got into the intermittent fasting, I have more energy. I do more things, Um, than I did in the past. I used to procrastinate. Now it's like, why are you procrastinating? Just go do it. Um, And my procrastination was more of a feeling full, wanting to eat, being lazy because of the things I was putting into my body. And now um, I I really am happy that keto is very active throughout the media, um, if you're looking in the right places because it kind of promotes low carb eating for me, which has always worked for me. And there are people who I have signed up for their recipes in that. I love to cook, so I'll plan my meals, which have really helped me with my diabetes. I will lay out my menu for the week, and then I'll shop. Um, I'm divorced, so I'm by myself, so you have to kind of plan because most, um, packages or what, or the like are for, you know, families of four or more. So I plan that meal out ahead of time. I may pre-cook some things, but it keeps me focused on not eating, but being active.
0: Yeah. So you have sort of like a built-in distraction and eating has become more of like for lack of a better way of stating it, ritualistic for you. It's something you look forward to, you enjoy it, you plan for it. And so that helps you enjoy it a little bit more when you actually get around to doing it.
1: Right. Right.
0: And maybe you can explain something to me because you said something like, you know, you open around 1030 and then close around no later than 730 but sometimes after three, you're not even hungry anymore. So do you end up doing some days where you just do like one meal a day or how does that look for
1: you? Um, Yes, Um, I'm not a big breakfast person. So I will maybe do a protein shake or a protein bar, an Atkins shake, Atkins bar. Um, I always have them handy for a meal. And then um, if I'm not hungry at night, um, I will do my own protein shake where I'll add in a few berries or that, so then I'm getting nutrients in it. I try to do three meals a day in some form, um, just so that my metabolism is active during the time.
0: Right. And do you, during that time period, the eight hours, cause I've, I hear people doing it all different kind, kinds of ways. You, you try to fit three meals in, or, loosely termed three meals. They're yeah. not really some of them are not really meals or like a snack, I guess you could say. But do you do yeah. do you eat continuously during that period or you just eat in specific segments? Like I eat at 10 30, I eat at two, I eat it you know?
1: I can't be that regimented. Um so for me, I will go ahead and eat when I'm hungry during that window. What I'll often find is I may do a sugar free or low carb snack. Um, Atkins is really good with snacks. They package their um, items to where their meals or their snacks. And so if I get a craving, I'll do that. I'm always conscious of the 20 carbs a day. So if that, I'm not, I used to keep a list and then I said, you're too neurotic. Um, But I know roughly where the 20 carbs are. Um, It took me a while because I was not a big vegetable eater. And it's not that I didn't like them. I just didn't consider them. Um, For me, my weight was always more of the starches. I'm not a potato eater, but boy, give me rice or pasta or give me bread. Um, And so getting away from that was tough in the beginning. But again, now there's recipes with almond flour in that you can make your own bread. You can go to almost any grocery store. Um, it doesn't have to be a health food store, and you can buy a keto or low-carb bread. Then you just have to monitor it. So I don't feel like I'm depriving myself of anything anymore.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to be, and that's a, a good mentality, because if you feel like you're deprived, then you won't continue. At right. least that's what I found for myself. Yeah. So tell me something else about how the intermittent fasting has impacted your blood sugars are you do you test your blood sugars every day
1: no only three times a week i typically do it monday wednesday and saturday and do you do it in the like what time of day do you do do it it? morning um i'll do a fasting one Mm -hmm. and with intermittent fasting i have found and maybe i'm doing it wrong but um if If I'm up and awake and I have my coffee and I'm a little active, I haven't consumed anything to eat, I'll then test. And I'm typically in the 96 to the 105, 108 range. If I get up first thing in the morning and test right away before I even have my first sip of coffee, I'm then, at least these last few weeks, I'm more in the... 112 to 125, 126 range. And I've talked to the doctors and I've done some reading and that. Everyone's a little bit different, but I try to at least test no later than an hour after I'm up.
0: Yeah, it sounds to me like, you know, and I'm not your doctor, but having had diabetes for as long as I've had it, it sounds like you have some sort of mild feet on the floor or dawn phenomenon. If you test right when you get up and you have a little bit of a high blood sugar, and then it comes down it sounds like you know for type 1 it can be very extreme for you it's like getting up to 125 is a high blood sugar for you so right and then it comes right down so that's kind of what it sounds like but over time especially as you continue fasting and you know losing more and more weight and keep your diet under control hopefully that just goes away
1: right and that's what my doctor said yeah your body's just adjusting to all these things we're putting in it what your glucose is going through and my goal and I'm not slamming anyone my personal goal having had friends who are type 2 and on insulin I don't want to get to the point of having to give myself insulin shots and what I found especially with a couple of friends my age who I've seen them go through the swings of high blood sugar low blood sugar and then they have to inject themselves, is they don't monitor what they're putting in their mouth. They're causing it, and yet you can't convince them otherwise. I get that, well, you know, I'm not going to deprive myself. I've lived this long. Uh, if they're going to, you know, I'm going to die from it, I'm going to die from it. And it's like, that's not an attitude I can adopt.
0: Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And definitely to the extent you can avoid being on insulin, do it because insulin is very hard to control in your body. It's, you know, I think I'm, you know, I'm type one, I've had type one for 25 years and people, lay people that don't have diabetes are just like, Oh, well you just take insulin. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but do you understand insulin isn't something that you just take? Oh, I take five units of insulin every day. No, it's like it varies minute to minute every single day. And you're not, you're basically taking the place of your pancreas and it's really hard to do. And it's very imprecise and you mess up constantly. And when you mess up, you feel bad. So to the extent you can avoid getting on insulin, which it sounds like you are totally on the right track, that makes a lot of sense. And I wholeheartedly agree with you in trying to avoid that fate.
1: Well, in in my case, too, my niece, in fact, I was in California for her wedding when um, the hurricane just hit. She was, as I said, diagnosed in her young teens as type one. And I've watched her as she moved into adulthood and that the issues with the insulin she had to go through, the different ways of getting the insulin in her body, the highs, the lows, and and I I've, I've felt such empathy and sympathy for her that I just don't want to be there. I, I will do what I can to not have to take insulin. And that's just my personal choice.
0: Yeah, no, and I totally understand that. And I, I think you're correct in wanting to have that for yourself. And my guess actually is if you continue on this track with the metformin, um, your metformin you know dosages are going to start going down to the point where so at some point they may even start causing low blood sugars for you and you'll just have to talk to your doctor about getting off of it and the ozempic same thing Uh but it seems like you're not quite there yet but it sounds to me like at some point in the not too distant future especially since you've been so good about everything you're doing and um i'm sure it's not terribly far off so so you basically have totally shifted your whole life since may of this year you started with the intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting and then went real hard on the the low carb diet. Um, so you have, you said you have like another 20 pounds you want to lose. Have you noticed the weight loss kind of, has it stalled out at all? Or do you feel like it's coming off pretty consistently?
1: It's, it's slowed. Um, and that's why I think Ozempic had a lot to do with it. And I started going crazy on working out. Um, it's no longer my focus. Um, now it's I I rarely weigh myself. Um, I'll weigh myself before I go to the doctors because you're going to weigh yourself fully clothed Then I can do it at home and know the difference. I judge it more on my clothes and how I feel. And am I um, now moving to another belt um, opening rather than um, actually, like friends of mine will weigh themselves every morning I'm not going to do that. I just don't feel like that's relevant. If I feel healthy, uh, then I'm going to stay the way I am and I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, that's a very rational approach. And it's, there's no sense in getting neurotic over the slight variations in your weight every day, especially if you're feeling good. The The thing with you is you have a lot of perspective. Now you've gone through cancer, you know, type two diabetes, you're, the weight the number on the scale is really (laughs) the least of your problems you've been through a lot you know like what's serious and what's not so i can totally understand that perspective
1: well and for me i come from a family of medical professionals there's about five doctors in my family my mother was an rn and all of my aunts literally all of my aunts are uh, nurses and the one thing I hearken back to now is the times that I never really gained weight till I was in my 40s. I was always active and I was relatively thin until then. Um, and in my 40s, it was like I would just bounce up and down, up and down, up and down. And one thing my mother would always say to me is just reduce your portion size. Keep your mouth closed. You know, don't eat as much as you keep eating and you'll lose weight. And now I see that. Now I see that portion control plays a very important role. And you don't feel deprived. If I want something, if I want a candy bar, fine, but I'm going to balance other things as a result of it. And so that's re-education completely.
0: Yeah, Amazing. yeah, yeah. No, that's we get so many conflicting messages in this society and it honestly just you know it makes your your head explode just you know low carb high carb eat more eat less portion size no don't worry about portion size keep your metabolism up i mean the different messages you know and it's hard to decipher everything like you i'm glad i found dr jason fung and i've done a lot of my own research and Mm -hmm. i feel like i i finally understand how my body works but it wasn't like that for most of my life
1: so right right and there's a dr berg too that i've listened to that i like the videos and that i on youtube so yeah the resources are out there you just have to educate yourself
0: that's right and what does your doctor said about um is, did your doctor recommend intermittent fasting to you at all or you you kind of found it on your own right
1: i found it on my own but i talked with my doctor um He's somewhat, I got a new doctor. The first time I was diagnosed during the cancer period, I had a doctor that was very regimented, was kind of anti low carb, but then when he saw it was working, it was fine. He left and I got a new doctor that I really like. And he's a very holistic doctor. And so he looks at everything and He asked about sleep habits and he asked about, um, in addition to exercise and eating, how much water was I consuming during a day? And so his focus on intermittent fasting was he thought it was a good idea if I understood what the problems could be and if I see those symptoms to either call or eat or do something so that I'm not perpetuating it he really didn't want me to go overboard which i tend to have a tendency to do so so we've been working well together and the thing i like about this doctor is i can literally email him and get an email response within a 24 hour period
0: oh that's great that's that's really helpful to have you know a doctor that's supportive of you and is responsive to you even better that's right. that is very hard to find so it is yeah. i know um so speaking of you know your situation with your doctor so the doctor that you're seeing now he's he's not an endocrinologist he's not um
1: i'm seeing both Um, both. when when i um finished my treatments for cancer three months later i did a full body scan um requested by my oncologist and it was determined that I had a few issues. I was a smoker at the time, um, and I thought the cancer was caused by smoking, but they ruled that out. Um, I've since stopped smoking, but at that time I was diagnosed, even though the tumors were gone, I was diagnosed with ground glass nodules in my lungs from smoking, which is kind of like a COPD And then there were uh, nodules um, determined to exist in my thyroid. So my oncologist sent me to an endocrinologist who was more focused on the thyroid nodules than he was on the diabetes. And so I had to go through testing and that, and they all turned out to be benign. And he and my primary work now on my diabetes, and he pretty much lets my primary um, dictate what direction we're going because he's in agreement with them, okay. so I see
0: that's a lot of um, input in juggling doctors that's
1: <laughs> it is
0: <laughs> it must be hard to keep track of all of that
1: um i I guess because like once the nodules were determined to be benign um I see the doctor, one, the endocrinologist, once a year. I see my primary uh, three times a year. And so the, he will, the primary will reach out to the endocrinologist and keep them updated on my diabetes and that. And the endocrinologist is more concerned with thyroid. Um, I just had an ultrasound yesterday um, to see what the status is on the nodules and the likes. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you just got to keep, keep on top of all of that stuff constantly. Yeah.
1: Getting old is no fun. Right. <laughs>
0: um, actually, I want to talk now if we can about, I know you like silver sneakers and I know you, you said mm-hmm. when you're going to Uganda, you, you're going to be hiking and, and walking around a lot. So tell me a little bit about your exercise routine now and how it interacts with fasting and your blood sugar, anything you've noticed with respect to exercise.
1: Well, I started Silver Sneakers um, after I'd read an article about it. You have to be, I believe, on Medicare to qualify unless your insurance is willing to cover it. Um, There's no cost for me since I am on Medicare and I have the supplement as well. Um, I started it when after chemo and radiation, I noticed my balance was off. And Silver Sneakers has different classes um, related to balance. They have strength training, um, and they have yoga and Zumba or whatever it is, and a bunch of other things, weightlifting and that. What I like about it is um, you can do recorded sessions, you can do live sessions, and then they link with gyms in your area. So there are four gyms that I can go to in Venice, Florida that are tied in with silver sneakers that I don't have to pay anything for. And I can either use the equipment or I can get um, advice from some of the trainers. Um, And what I'll do is I'll bring it up on my iPad. And then if I'm doing an exercise or one of the things at home, Um, I'll go ahead and broadcast it to my TV. I'll just mirror it from my iPad and then I have it on a full screen TV and I've got my weights and my bands and the like. Um, I work out at a minimum three times a week. Um, I will generally do um, those three times a week are basically three days a week. So I'll often break it up to where I'll do a morning exercise, um, 30 minutes to 40 minutes. And then in the evening, before I go to bed, I'll do another 30 minutes. Um, Sometimes I'll do a full hour um, at one time, but I prefer to kind of break it up that way. Um, I have a pool here and I love swimming. I went to college on a swimming scholarship but the water's too hot. It's like being in your bathtub. So the working out in the pool, at least in my area of Florida, is not an option. Um, and so I try to stay as active as I can um, doing that. So. We,
0: yeah, so you said you were work out in the morning and then in the evening. So in the morning you're fasted when you're working out, is that right? Yes, yes. And, and how I, do you feel
1: when you're working out then? I actually um it'll be after my blood sugar and i i'm good as long as i'm hydrated
0: yeah and at night you're well you may have just closed your eating window but you know you're you haven't had any food in your system for an hour or two maybe when you work out right
1: exactly exactly wow Followed by an hour hour and a half
0: yeah yeah well it sounds like you have a great you know exercise routine going and i'm sure i mean aside from the swimming which I love swimming, so I can, I, I feel bad that your pool is so hot. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's that's one of my favorite things to do. I actually went um, last night, and they, they try to keep the pool around 80 degrees, which is just ticking up to being too hot for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how hot your pool is,
1: but that's. It's because of the sun and the heat. Now now that we're moving into winter, it'll go down. Mm-hmm. They keep the temp at 84 which I think is a little too hot. But then when it's hot and when we're having the 95 to 100 degree days, it's heating that water and it can get as hot as 91. Our even ocean was 93 before the hurricane hit. So you couldn't even go there and exercise.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, at least you have other ways of getting your exercise in. and. I don't know if, if there's any other health goals that you want to talk about that you have for the future. It sounds like you're, like I said in the beginning, I like your story because you're sort of midway through, you know, you, you've made a lot of significant changes in your life, but you're not, you know, you haven't seen yourself all the way through to the finish line yet. I have no doubt that you're going to get to where you want to go. But like, what, where do you see yourself in the future in the next year or
1: two, let's say? Uh, my weight definitely being down to where I want it to be i would like to exercise more i'm i'm more of the type of person that i'll go the intellectual pursuits versus the physical pursuits and i want to break that habit um it's very easy for me to say oh i don't want to work out this morning i'll do it later and then later never comes so i want to change that mindset I want to stay motivated. And the way I'm doing it really is planning trips that will require me to be physically active. You know, I don't want to go on, say, a a tour somewhere where I sit on a tour bus the whole time. I'd rather walk the city or climb the hills. Um, And so I look for those kind of activities and travel plans. that'll give me that kind of benefit or force me into those things. And then that motivates me. Like I said, I'm going to the gorillas. Um, part of that trip is also seeing chimpanzees. I've been a big primate fan um, from when I was you know, in high school, I always wanted to be, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to be a game warden in Africa as a kid. And I had a coach that said, you're not African-American, you're not British. You'll never get it. So I went a different direction and went in the law. But um, I've always been interested in primates. So I'll get July out of the way. And then I want to go to Borneo and go into the jungles and see the orangutans. And that's going to require physical activity, too. So, gosh, I so love I can it. Motivate myself and plan things in advance. And then I have an impetus to stay on track. I love your
0: attitude and your enthusiasm for life, um, and that sounds like those are two those two trips are very good motivators to to keep you on your path. And maybe just you know, as we come to a close here, you know, you're still in the you're still in it. you're still you just really hit this hard starting in May of this year. So you're you know, you're still close to the beginning. How do you what what kind of advice would you give to somebody that might be also close to the beginning? And it's, it's harder in the beginning. I know that for a fact. So maybe since you're closer to it, you can speak to like what advice you might have for people just starting out.
1: Um, it's an old adage, but knowledge really is power. And being one who was complacent with my own medical um, history, I would be one of those that would wait until I absolutely had to go to a doctor. I just, I don't like hospitals, I don't like doctors, even though um, I grew up in that environment with my family. But what I've learned, especially from the cancer coexisting with the diabetes, is that I had to be proactive with my education. And I would recommend to people Learn about your condition, whether it's type one or type two or anything else. Get a second opinion. Educate yourself so that you can ask relevant questions. Um, An example is I had done research on the cancer once I found out it was cancer. Um, And so I had to be treated five times a day with chemo and um, with radiation. Well, through my research, I learned that my kind of cancer, the chemo doesn't have to be the chemo where you're sitting there with the infusion and the, um, the injections. I could do chemo pills and my insurance company covered that. I did have to do a couple of infusions but five days a week, I was taking like nine different pills. I didn't lose my hair. I wasn't nauseated like chemo would do. It only occurred because I asked the doctor, well, what about chemo pills instead of the infusions? I educated myself and I encourage people. For some reason, doctors can be intimidating and we've got to get over that and start challenging them and asking questions. And like I said, get a second opinion. My new rule is it's my life and my health, and no one should be more concerned about it than me. That's a
0: fantastic message. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on doing your research. And I mean, and you also got to remember too, for been type one for as long as I have. And with type one, you have to go see a million other different doctors associated with it because there's so many complications that can come up. You know, the doctors are really busy. They don't care about your health as much as you do. They care about you, but they they don't have the, the same interest level that you do about your own health. So you have to do it. You have to do the work.
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I encourage people too, to talk to others who have gone through it. Get involved through social media. So many other people who have gone through what you're going through reach out, learn from their experiences, and it's benefited me immensely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, you've got a great story. Thank you for being so honest. It's it's a lot to, that you've been through and you've shared your story very candidly, and I appreciate it. I know the listeners will appreciate it too. And thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for the invitation.
0: Of course. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.